Good morning. It's good to be with you um, on this morning. And several people have mentioned and said, hey, you know, we wish uh, congregation and folks from Roseland would have come as well. And uh, there's a lot of reasons that that just couldn't happen this time. There were some complications. But I can say this, that um, they will have missed this as well. Um, it's always just beautiful when we get together. And I, um, we, we go to a lot of churches and worship. We did before COVID, and we're just trying to start again, hopefully soon. But um, this, is a, this is a beautiful sanctuary, and uh, the acoustics in here, and you guys are good. It's, it's, I don't want to compliment Dutch people because it makes you uncomfortable, um, those of you who are Dutch, but you're a good singing congregation. You sound real good. And it would have been fun to have us together, and we'll do it again real soon. Amen? Hey, let's, uh, let's come to God in prayer. Lord, we pray, before we read your word, we pray that your spirit would move in this place on this day, God. And we pray that uh, as your word and your people come together, and as your spirit uh, moves us, that our eyes would be uh, drawn to Jesus, that our lives would be drawn to Jesus. Uh, again, we love, thank, and praise you, God. Um, we pray that your word would touch our heart, touch our soul, touch our lives, our families. We know that you can. We pray that you will. And we wait with great anticipation. And may the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart be pleasing unto you. For you are our rock and you are our redeemer. You are the source of our strength. God's people said, amen. Hear then the word of God from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And I'm going to read from this Bible, but my guess is, yeah, there's right above me. There's some word. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, saying, A voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Now John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. And people, they went out, out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, you snakes, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is ready. At the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down, thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn, and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. This is the word of God. 
think we have to go a little bit further. We gotta be close. We were four childhood friends backpacking for three days in the Cascade Mountains, just outside of Seattle. We'd been carrying 50-pound backpacks for three or four days, and on this day, we'd gone 10 hours with these backpacks on up a mountain, and we could not seem to reach our destination, Robbins Lake. Tony, my brother, has had surgery on both of his knees and needed to stop every five 10 minutes and rest against a tree with his backpack to take the pressure off, would sit on boulders. Exhausted, hurting, discouraged, we shot angry glances at Joel, our friend who organized the trip. Joel took a deep breath, he reached into his pocket and unfolded a crinkled old map on the route of the route that his father-in-law had given us. He laid it down on the ground and All four of us stood over the map, looking at it the way uh, that guys do when their cars break down and they pop the hood open and just look at it, as if the act in itself is going to somehow do something. He put his finger on the map, he traced the trail forward, finally stopping, and he tapped his finger. He said, this is it. I see. I see where where we missed. Yeah, this is the way, right here. He faked confidence and said, we just got to go a a little bit further. Now I know. This is the way. We nodded at each other, got our backpacks back on, and we trudged down the trail when a scraggly bearded man in a flannel shirt, tan cargo pants, came the other direction towards us. Joel, our leader, who just a second ago said, I know the way now, ran to the man desperately and said, please, sir, we're lost. Can you help us? Do you know if we're on the path to Robin's Lake? The bearded, scraggly man, he reached into his own backpack and he pulled out a little leather-bound journal. It looked like an old Baptist preacher's Bible. It was tattered with notes in it and notes about notes and highlights and drawings and something that looked like a woven prayer cloth and he laid it down on a log. He thumbed through it and said, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I see, I see, yep. He knelt down and and he placed his journal on top of our map. And he says, you have an old map. It doesn't show the washed out old bridge. It doesn't show uh, the new bridge. You need a new map. You have to turn around and go about three miles back. Then go four or five more miles up the mountain after that. It's tough scrambling, but you should make it before sundown. The old map was no good. Somewhere along the way, we followed the wrong map, we missed our turn, and we just kept going the wrong way. In order to get back on the path that we set out for, we needed to turn around. We needed to reorient ourselves with a new map that the stranger had scribbled for us. I wonder... If you've ever made a wrong turn in life and gone so far down the trail that you don't even know where you're going anymore. Maybe you didn't even know you were on the wrong path, but you made some decisions that took you and the way that you started going eventually led to some bad patterns, some bad habits, some bad ways of being. 
some ways of being in relationship and community that became so ingrained in you that were so unhealthy that you couldn't even imagine that a better or different way exists anymore. One wrong turn years ago, and here you are, map laid out on the ground, finger retracing where you've been, trying to figure out how far, how you got this far off the trail, and how can you even get back? I wonder, I wonder if you've ever heard the call then to repent. Not just feeling bad for mistakes, for sins, not just feeling bad for those things, but I wonder if you've actually, if we've actually heard a call to turn and reorient our life, our priorities, our values towards a totally different way of being. John the Baptist enters the biblical picture, the biblical story, and the tradition of Old Testament prophets. He is an eccentric sent by God to let the people know that they are going the wrong way and they got to turn around. Outside of town, he stands ankle deep in an ancient river that has seen this kind of thing more than you could imagine, shouting, Repent! To all from Judea and Jerusalem to hear him. Repent, meaning turn around. Go a different way. Reorient your life. Turn. This is not who God has called you to be. But to cry out, turn, repent, turn. To cry out, turn means nothing if we don't know what or if there is nothing to turn towards. Lost on a backpacking trip, you turn to where you got lost and you find your way back. But, but what where does John the Baptist call Matthew's listeners and us today to turn from, but also to turn to? Thomas Long writes, repentance is impossible unless one is given a new way to perceive what is true and what is real. If John the Baptist had only cried out, repent, he would have been wasting his breath. Because people don't simply uh, turn from one way of life. They do so when they turn towards something deeper. They turn when they turn towards something truer. John then gives the location for where they are to turn towards when he cries, the kingdom of God is near. The old order is burning away. The new order, God's kingdom, is here. Turn from the illusions and the trappings of this world. Turn towards the kingdom of God. Jesus, flesh and blood, God's kingdom. Turn to Jesus. When I was 21, I moved into Roseland. I was a senior at Trinity Christian College. I was 21 years old, 20 years old. I moved into Roseland. I started interning at Roseland Christian Ministries. I was doe-eyed, impressionable, but I had a long, naughty streak in me. I was a kid, and I liked to color outside the lines, and I think that's part of what drew me to Roseland. 
but I was just a young man. I moved into a house on 237 West 109th Place between Wentworth and Princeton on the south side. I moved in with a guy named DeWitt Casey, Lisa Jennings, Portia Davis, David Palmer, and a two-year-old boy named Ernest, who was Lisa's son. I started to hang around Rosen Christian Ministries uh, every single day. I'd go to morning prayers, went to after-school club. I would drive seniors on outings. Sometimes I would just hang out with the lunch program, where 60 to 80 men, women, neighborhood folks would come every day to get a meal. Many of the folks had mental health issues. Many of the folks wrestled with addictions. Many of the folks had never known anything but that existence. It was on one of those first months when I met a woman there, sat across, had lunch with her, named Winifred Shine. She had a twin sister named Wilma. Winifred was living on the streets, but it seemed from the little that I talked to her that she came from a good home, just a few blocks from Rosen Christian Ministries. That summer, there was a number of women on the street who were getting killed and left in vacant lots, sometimes not found until days after they had been killed. When these women went missing, they'd have lunch one day at Roseland, you wouldn't see them again. When these women went missing, when their bodies were recovered, they were never mentioned in the news. They were discarded in life, they were passed over in death. It was around the same time, and I remember this so clearly, because that summer, you're going to think I'm exaggerating, but you can look up the name Winifred Shines and look up uh, women in Chicago, uh, you know, murdered, it's a grisly thing to sort of look up, but that same summer... I will never forget Natalie Holloway, this blonde-haired, blue-eyed young lady who went missing in the Caribbean, and it became a national crisis. And I could not shake um, the attention and the resources spent to find one woman while others were just passed over. Uh, The value in their lives could not have been more clear. Well, Winifred went missing that summer, And eventually, her body was found in a dumpster just three blocks from Rosen Christian Ministries. She'd been killed. It was just a few days after she died when her mom and her twin sister Wilma came to Rosen Christian Ministries. I was just an intern at the time, but I'm watching this happen. Her mom, her sister come. They meet with Reverend Tony and Miss Hartz looking for a place to do the funeral. What didn't hit me until 20 years later was that they weren't just looking for a space, they were looking for people for whom Winifred's life mattered. They were looking for people who believed and lived as if Winifred mattered to them, a people who believed that she was counted and made in God's image, as distorted as it might have been. And so again, the funeral happened at Rosen Christian Ministries. I sat in the back row with a homeless man I had just met a few months earlier named Oliver Evans. But when the doors opened for the funeral, a colorful cast of characters came in. There was a man named Smokey, a man named Will Gordon, Portia Davis, Pop Man, the forgotten and abandoned came out in numbers for their own that day. Some were unwashed, and some came in three-piece suits. I sat in the back row. And down the middle aisle, right before the funeral was about to start, an older man came in, dressed in old vintage clothes, three-piece vintage suit, and he had a suitcase. 
And, and we're waiting for the funeral to start. The guy walks all the way up the front. We had folding chairs in there. He took two folding chairs. He placed them towards one another. He put the suitcase right there. He clicked it open, popped it open. And it was a portable organ. And he began to play Amazing Grace. He sat in one chair, started to play. People started to sing along. It didn't get a lot of volume, but we all heard the notes, and that's all that mattered. Before too long, down the center aisle, Winifred's mom processed in the room through the double doors. Came through stoic and steel-faced. She didn't show any emotion until she finally made her way to the casket where her daughter lay. She turned her head and looked at her daughter. She stared, and finally all of the hurt and the emotion came to the top, and she shrieked and cried out in great agony. People all around grabbed her and held her up as she looked at her daughter in the casket. A great number of people helped her, and they wiped away the tears in her eyes as the funeral started. And by the way, I'm a senior in college at this time, like I said, and of everything, every class that I went to, and there's a great value in liberal arts education, but these two hours of this funeral are what I remember most of anything in all of college. For the next two hours, I sat in the back row, and there were testimonies and more testimonies and words of encouragement from community members. Reverend Tony got up and preached. Steve Turner, guy from Roseland, got up and sang, Jesus loves me. And when the funeral ended, everybody gathered together in a room and shared a meal. There were stories, there were songs, there was scripture, there was fried chicken and cornbread and greens. And in the middle of this poverty, in the middle of all this pain, there was so much life and energy and love. There was so much attention and intention from the preacher, from the organist, from the cooks, from the friends giving testimony from the community. To the world... Winifred Shine was a Southside prostitute, her life and death not even worth a mention in the 9 o'clock news. But to this community, she was a child of God, worth being wept over, worth sharing a meal over, worth being celebrated, worth remembering her name. On that day, as I sat in the back row of that church, I heard a call to a different life. I was offered a new map. Any other plan that I had for my life that day was thrown out the window. There was a turning away from one life, and there was a turning towards another. This is less about me and me telling my story. It's more about, for me, understanding repentance has so much more to do with being called to a totally different life than it does just constantly apologizing for the bad stuff I do. Saying sorry for all the bad things, there's a cost but it's not nearly the cost of following Jesus and walking towards the kingdom of God. And so, 
following Easter, following Resurrection Sunday, I wonder if in some way God is calling you again to imagine what does it mean to turn again towards the kingdom of God? What does it mean for you, faith? What does it mean for you, families? What does it mean for you individually to turn again towards God's kingdom? What does it mean for you as a people? Could you, could we begin to reimagine our place in God's kingdom here and now? Maybe it means turning around some habits and practices and going down a different road with a different map that will take us to a different place. Maybe it means following that call or following the map into God's redemptive work in the world in a way that you never could have expected. Whatever it may look like for you, I don't know. Earlier I quoted a guy named Thomas Long, who I like a lot, who I read about in seminary. But here's something from another person I read a long time ago. He doesn't write books about preaching, but what he writes sure preaches. He writes this, to repent is to come to your senses. Repent is to come to your senses. It's not so much something you do as something that happens. True repentance spends less time looking at the past and saying, I'm sorry, than to the future and saying, wow. John is calling upon people to realize that the old order has passed away and that the new order has come. God wants his followers to redefine the way that they see reality, to embrace the radical vision that God, not money, not power, not status, not fear, not disease, not death, nor any powers, God wants us to see the way in God's radical vision for creation. John's words for this are, the kingdom of God is near. In Christ, the old order has passed away, and a new order is breaking in all around us. We've been given new maps. You've been given a new map. I don't know what that means for you. I have something of a hunch of what it means for me. I'm pretty sure it means listening for the voice of God, being prepared to throw away the old maps, remaining open to God's Spirit, doing something new and surprising that will probably leave you saying, wow. And everyone who sees you following that new map say the same thing. Wow. Amen? Let us pray. Lord, may your spirit move on this day. May you open our eyes. May you open our ears, our heart, our soul to the places where you are calling us and calling us towards your kingdom. May we be open to our lives shifting and changing in ways that we never could have expected. May we be open to you calling us into some um, some place where gifts and needs come together that will leave us saying, wow, not just looking back, but looking forward to what you have in store. We love, thank, and praise you. Thank you for this congregation, and thank you for this special time together. In Jesus' name, amen.